0: The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful
1: varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and
0: appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com
2: good morning good morning ain't it a great morning kind of muggy but it's beautiful outside hey welcome to our party this is mississippi public broadcasting weekly garden program we call it the gestalt gardener and i'm your host horticulturist Felder Rushing. our producer is awesome java chapman we're gonna have fun for the next hour or so talking about gardening Coming up in today's Guy Fawkes broadcast, I'm going to give you a heads up on what you can be doing in your southern garden this time of year. During early November, share a few interesting emails. Uh, really, really cheesy music selection, and uh, but I'm a, I adore being able to do what we do best here at MPB. That's to talk with you live about what's going on or not in your life. So it's a garden program, folks. Sit back, relax. We're going to take a few minutes of news and come back with your phone calls and other cheesy stuff in this informal garden. Party. We call it the cascalt Gardener. Let's get dirty.
3: <laughs> this is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit MPBOnline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
2: You know, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Fellow Rushing. Boy, have I got some cheesy music for you coming up. It's called an earworm. Once you hear it, you're not, you've heard it all your life through different places, but I lived it when it came out in 1961. Are we going to put an earworm that you're not going to be able to get rid of all weekend? Hey, I'm Horticulture's Fellow Rushing. We're talking about gardening today, but I want to start out with uh, a quiz, and this is for my awesome producer, Java. Have you ever heard of Guy Fawkes?
4: No, I can't say that I have.
2: F A W K E S, Guy folks You know when people say eh, he's a pretty good guy, or what a miserable guy. That's a terrible. You know what? Good guy. You've heard that all your life. Well, the word "guy" comes originally from the early. 1500s, really, um, when there was a, a plot to blow up the King of England. You know, the, uh, let's see, I guess, uh, Guy Fawkes was a fellow. He was a bunch of, there were a bunch of English Catholics who wanted to blow up the Protestant King James, right? And uh, so they put all this gunpowder up under Westminster, that great big thing everybody sees downtown London, enough gunpowder to level the building. And uh, long story short, the day before, they got caught, and Guy Fawkes was sitting down there with all this gunpowder. And so, you know, they caught him. They did the stuff they usually do. But, you know, they cut him up in pieces and sent him to all parts of the country and all like that. But because they saved the king, they started the celebration on the 5th of November. And a uh, matter of fact, there's a point. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I know of no reason why gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. And every year on November 5th, they have bonfire night where they build these big bonfires and they throw these effigies of Guy Falk on the fire, burn them up. and They do fireworks and stuff like that. Still do this, right? Long story short, uh, kids would make these effigies of Guy Falks ahead of time leading up to it. They would parade around town. And if, if they were really good, people would give them money, you know, a penny or whatever. And they use it to buy fireworks. And that's where, you know, that's a pretty good guy. Or that's a bad guy, not such a great guy comes from.
4: Oh, okay, okay, (laughs) I get this. Isn't isn't that stupid? (laughs) That's all. So it was a person named Guy, and okay, yeah, all right, Guy Fox. But anyway,
2: fifth of November, so any British citizens out there, got a couple of days before bonfire night. I'll be out there with a bonfire. So uh, anyway, it's just a little oddball stuff for this time of year.
4: Oh, that's pretty cool. You, A lot of things uh, have a an origin and we, you know, rarely know what those are. Yeah, I had written, I don't know if you knew this, but I wrote a book, the book on scarecrows, origins,
2: history, lore, all, you know, the different cultures going back thousands of years. And, and uh, so I had a little thing about Guy Fawkes and the effigies. One of the stupid stuff. That's where you learn stuff. Hey, when I was walking in this morning, oh, we we're noticing some uh, different fall colors. Man, this is Central Miss has been going on in North Mississippi, starting in South, but uh, in Alabama. But the the fall colors are great. So I came up with a list of the top ten fall color tree fall colors. And uh, I don't know if I need to share it right now or so not. So we
4: opening up the Crayola box.
2: <laughs> the Crayola Crayola brand crayon is how you're supposed to say it. I said something about Crayolas one time. Got a nasty letter from the Smith and Benny Company because it's not Crayolas. It's Crayola brand crayon.
4: So we opened opening up the crayon box <laughs> for all the political correctness out there in the That's world. Right.
2: That's right. This is, of course, when they jumped on me about that, I had to come back. You know how I am. So I wrote a whole column about if I could come up with new crayons, what would they be? And we decided that one was going to be called habanero, be kind of like orange, like the habanero pepper. I was going to call one cow patty, which would be brown. And then somebody said, no, you've got to have wet patty and dry patty because they're two different colors of brown. Okay, Java, stop me quick.
4: (laughs) Yeah, we do have some calls before we get to your um, your colors. We got an early early caller.
2: Okay, do that. I got a few things I want to share with folks going on too, but let's go up to Madison and talk with Jim. Good morning, Jim. Thank you for calling.
4: Good morning.
5: I've heard you say several times that um, roots need air for plants to do well. Piling up too much dirt on top is bad, and uh, keeping them too wet is bad.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
5: How do plants grow hydroponically?
2: Well, there are different kinds of – a, it's a really good question because you can root cuttings in water, and they grow these real filamentous roots they are kind of white and thin and brittle. But then when you take those roots and put them in dirt, they don't work. The plant has to grow new roots that are adapted to, to, the, to, 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 to the new conditions. It's not so much that they can't grow in water if they get started in there because they get adapted, the, the, the cell walls and stuff like that are completely different. But if you have one that's supposed to be in dirt with water and drainage and you keep that wet, those roots will rot. So while you can grow a tomato in water, if you take that straight out and put it in dirt, it's going to die. Take a dirt one and put it straight in water, it's going to die because the roots change cellular structure. It's a good question, sort of like,
5: though. Sort of like leaves that grow, that form in the in the uh, sunlight. Won't do well in the shade, and That's so right. the form in the shade won't do well in the sun.
2: That's right. People are going to start bringing their hibiscus and weeping figs indoors over the next month or so, and those leaves outside are all going to shed because they're not adapted for indoors. But they'll put on new leaves that are adapted for indoors, and next year they'll get sunburned.
5: Great. That's exactly what I needed to know. That's
2: Thank a great you. question. Are you, Jim, are you testing me to see if I'm awake?
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't go to Mississippi State, so I don't know anything about <laughs> agriculture.
2: Well, you know, I just made half of that up. <laughs> See you. <ya>, bye. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, that's true. That's a great question. It's a great question. Uh, I want to give a big shout-out, by the way, to the plant f- swap folks down in Mobile. Had a real interesting turnout last Saturday morning, A real, uh, an astounding collection of really hard-to-find plants from from the gardens of fellow participants. I got a big pot of devil's backbone plants, some cascading succulent vines, and a handful of really well-rooted hardy salvias. I'm going to put in next year's butterfly garden. Got a nice clump of Mexican tarragon, and, uh, which is a perennial miracle. Mexican tarragon, some people call it Mexican mint marigold. Uh, It's a hardy perennial. Gets about oh knee high, maybe a little bit bigger. Linear leaves that smell just like licorice. Uh, It's a really Hardy perennial tarragon substitute It flowers every year in late October, early November. Matter of fact, you see it planted on graves, uh, in Hispanic graves, uh, because they celebrate day of the dead on November the 1st and 2nd. And it's something that grows on a, it'll grow in a cemetery, you know, a beautiful fall blooming perennial smells really good. You can use it as a tarragon substitute. Uh, also, uh, loved while I was coming back, I stayed overnight in Laurel, um, Nice little uh, Victorian town. Stayed in a, a bed and breakfast called Wisteria. Anybody down there knows. Right across in the art museum, kind of catty corner, is a lavender uh, bed. Uh, uh, so one of the uh, the painted ladies, an old Victorian house with the the, the finials and all that. Anyway, uh, I had heard that everybody in town was mad about it because they painted it purple and you weren't supposed to, and they got in all sorts of trouble, and everybody just "Ah, went crazy. And come to find out it wasn't that one. The lady who owns it, Peggy, had painted it lavender, and she was on the historic commission. She had permission to do it, but two doors, two streets over, somebody painted one magenta and didn't have permission, and that was the one that caused all sorts of problems. So anyway, they painted it blue, and now people think, that wisteria, that wonderful lavender painted lady is the problem. Anyway, she's got a gazing ball out front. Uh Java, you know gazing ball, these round things. And it's, it's just it's just real classic. I also want to give a shout out to uh, Jim Rosenblatt. He's the uh, dean emeritus uh, at uh, Mississippi College uh, School of Law downtown Jackson. He stopped by last week and gave me a big bucket of buckeye seeds. I'm gonna plant those this weekend. Have some buckeye trees to share next spring. I also gave me some tomatoes and peppers. And we drove by his little vegetable garden. He has uh, okra and basil and zinnias and peppers taller than meat pepper plants taller than me and tomatoes growing in a little corner of the parking lot of the MC School of Law. And uh, he has m- more peppers on one plant than I've grown all year in my whole garden. And uh, anyway, I really appreciate that. Made some, some nice uh, soup the other night with him. And uh, while I'm on that, let me throw out a couple of other things. Uh, this is a live program, folks. If you want to give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring uh, Yesterday I rented a pressure washer you know, I don't really think it's that great an idea to own great big garden equipment. You can rent it for, you know, 40 50 bucks. 50 You know, I rented this thing. They cranked it up for me. They filled it with the gas. They made sure it worked. They checked the nozzles. They did all this stuff, put it in my truck. I used it up, took it back, and I'm done with it. Don't have to store it all year. But anyway, uh, I, I, I hit my flagstone walks, my decks, uh, the tin roof on my arbors. And they're sparkling just in time for tonight's full moon. So anyway, it's a great time of year to uh, pressure wash stuff, get all that black sooty mold. I took the pressure washer to my pink flamingos, which are black from that black sooty mold. Um, anyway, uh, also my Clara Curtis chrysanthemum is in full bloom. And it's time to, to k- catch up some seeds of things like Queen Anne's Lace and castor bean and other summer annuals. And, um... Also, I got a, a couple of big sacks of daffodils in my refrigerator. really shouldn't re- refrigerate daffodils like tulips, but I got a big sack of those. I'm going to set them out this weekend. It's a variety called Twin Sisters, which is the latest blooming daffodil. So between my Paper Whites and, and uh, jonquils, which bloom early, uh, I'm going to have daffodils right up until April. So uh, last thing before uh, we take a little bit of a break, I want to throw this out. Those of you who are, who are bagging leaves... If you can find it in your heart to leave them alone, your yard will thank you. Uh, Leaves don't have to be bagged. Actually, they ought not to be bagged. You can spread them out as mulch under your shrubs and shaded areas where grass won't grow and feed the worms. Uh, You just mow them into the grass as long as you can mow them and still see green when you're done. uh, Worms will come up at night and eat them and dig them down deep around the roots. Uh, You'll have the most incredible soil, better roots, better plants better worth healthier garden by just mowing them and when you can't mow them blow them up under some trees or or make a leaf pile anyway, so you're
4: telling me you can't rake
2: no you you can do it but then you put them on the curb and then you know we got to pay each other to haul it off someplace so no, no i mean I, I take a leaf blower to mine but i blow them under my trees and my shrubs and into a leaf pile but yeah it is legal in america to put bags of leaves on the curb and had the the socialist system haul it off for you
4: <laughs> also we're going to take this break but um did you did you pass out candy for halloween or did you pass out like daffodil bulbs or something
2: no i went around and got stuff I went around and got stuff. No, I turn my light off. I don't want people. You see my yard. You think I want to invite kids up in my yard after dark? See, yeah,
4: that's kind of dangerous. So.
2: <laughs> anyway, we're going to take just a little bit of break. We've got a couple of callers lined up. It is a toll free uh, call 1 877 MPB ring. Got some emails to share and a couple of other things, but let's talk about what's going on in your garden. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production, one of many weekly morning programs, custom crafted for you here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
3: Informative MPB news stories the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio.
2: Welcome back, folks. is still Rushing. As I've been walking around this week, like I mentioned last week, I was just starting to see it, but now it is rampant right now. People of St. Augustine and even centipede grass, I'm seeing brown patch. If you have circular or curved areas in your lawn that just showed up in the past uh, couple of three weeks that are, that are light brown or yellow, that's a fungus called brown patch. Uh, there's really not a cure for it. Uh, and usually it usually doesn't hurt the grass, but it can temporarily interfere. With, anyway, it turns patches brown. It spreads when we have a combination of warm days and cool, wet nights which we have a lot in the spring, but perfect conditions in the fall. So if you're seeing brown patches show up in your your, your lawn, uh, we have enough warm weather ahead to where it can actually spread. So if if you're concerned about it, it'll usually green back up next spring, but if you're concerned about it, you can get a fungicide for brown patch, a liquid fungicide, and spray the area, particularly the perimeters, and it won't cure it, but it'll stop it from spreading so bad. So brown patch usually won't kill the grass. It does weaken it, but if you're seeing it out there and you're really concerned about it, go ahead and spray the perimeter, the circles of the perimeters, uh, just to keep it from spreading. Now, let's go to Tupelo. Hey, Jerry, good morning. How are you, sir?
6: Good morning. Doing fantastic. Good.
5: How are you? Fine. What's up? Well, I want to ask a follow-up on something you mentioned just a few minutes ago. You talked about uh, treating or cleaning your pavement with uh, pressure washer Uh and I have some uh, fungus or mold or something like that that's in some areas and what I was thinking about maybe was spraying that with uh, bleach or something else first, you know, while I'm using the pressure washer. And I wanted to find out about, is that going to be harmful to, you know, shrubs and to the uh, grass? Or, yeah. Uh, what do I need to do there?
2: It's a good question. As long as you don't leave it on the plants, you know, and until it dries and then the sun comes out, it won't. You know, in other words, if you wash it right off, it's not a problem. So if you put it on there, leave it on for a few minutes. And then pressure wash it, but I wouldn't do it in the middle of the day, and then walk off and go get a cup of coffee and come back because that could scorch your plants in. Oh, but, uh, okay. But uh, okay. it is it, highly water soluble, and it it uh, you know, and it it dilutes real quick, and as long as you wash it off, not not a problem. Great. Okay. Well, thank you much. Good question. Thanks for calling, Jerry. Okay, let's go to Brookhaven. Joe. Good morning, sir. Yeah. How you doing, good morning? Fine so far. What you got going on?
3: Okay, I got a little four-year-old grandson, and he wanted to plant some broccoli. And we planted the broccoli, and it's come out real pretty. It's got pretty leaves on it. Now he wants us, can we eat the leaves like collard greens?
2: Good question. Good, good question. And the answer is yes, but it's going to give him, uh, what's the polite way of saying severe gastric disease? It's going to make him have gas. Okay. But that's okay because he's four, you know what I'm saying?
3: I don't know about these kids. We call them the barbarian or they eat everything.
2: <laughs> Here's the deal, though. Uh, they're not as, they're, you know, the, the broccoli, collards, cabbies are all in the same family, but some were, were selected out. They weren't necessarily bread, but they're selected out for different uses. In the, the collards and the uh, kale, that kind of stuff, the leaves are, are, are thinner. They're easier to cook and digest. What I would do is I would mix them up with some other stuff chop them up real fine. And if he doesn't know about bacon grease yet, that's the key.
3: Okay. Well, he can mix them up maybe with the collards, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same family. You know, they're you know, they just a little chewier is all.
3: Oh, okay. Okay.
2: Good good question, though. Appreciate it. Now, hug okay. him while you can.
6: Okay, thanks.
2: You're raising him right. All righty. By the way, I uh, checked in my truck garden this morning. Last fall, I took a picture of some butterflies on some of my zinnias, in my truck garden, other people are taking pictures. So I thought, okay, I've got a pollinator garden. Well, this morning I was looking for my kale, and all I found was some stems, just plain old stems. Because apparently some of those white cabbage moths had laid some eggs, and the little green caterpillars completely ate up my kale. It's okay, it's okay. I'll plant some more kale. But it's nice to have know that I have a full habitat garden back there, including um, host plants for butterflies. So it could be said that with the caterpillars and and all blowing off the back of my truck, I may be spreading this cabbage moth all over the countryside. Who knows? Anyway, now let's go to, uh, push the right button here. Let's go to Raymond. Hey, Michael, good morning. Good morning.
5: How are you? I'm fine.
2: What's going on?
5: Well, I took a cutting from my neighbor's gardenia. Mm -hmm. It's an old gardenia plant, and I rooted it. Um When it got to the age where I should plant it, I planted it, and now, after two years, it has grown tremendously to about two and a half feet yeah um we noticed the other day uh that where two limbs or stems come together, there are red flowers coming out, and no no no, warm. those are
2: those are fruits,
5: those are fruit,
2: yeah i mean really? if it's a gardenia gardenias have a sort of orangey red fruit it's a weird looking thing
5: it is weird it's kind of spidery looking
2: yes yeah, fleshy feeling yes yeah that's that's his fruit isn't that cool
5: i've never i've been around gardenias all my life and I've never seen that on a gardenia
2: well it, it, it's hidden down in the foliage you know you, you unless yeah. you're looking for it and i don't know what you're doing looking that close to a plant that's only two feet tall but you you caught it
5: I did, I did. Well, thank you so much. You it's, answered my question. It's a
2: very unusual shaped seed pod, very unusual, and yes. not 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 many people notice it. Oh, let me ask Could you I, this, Mike, how yes. how big was your neighbor's gardenia when you took the cutting? Large. Okay, because you said yours grew really, really big at two feet. I'm saying, no, not yet. It ain't as big as it's going to get.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could I ask you one other question? Sure. Um, I have three green ash trees growing in my yard. Mm-hmm. Is green ash a native of Mississippi? Yes, or, it
2: yes and, it is. Yes, it is.
5: Is this a good time to plant more?
2: You can, but how many green ash do you need, Michael? There's so many other plants out there. Come on.
5: Yeah, I love the tree. It's one of the most beautiful trees I've ever seen.
2: It is, but but once you once you get more than three, you stop having a beautiful tree. You start having a forest of them. <laughs> um, no, I'm not wagging my finger. They they are great plants, but uh, be, yeah. because they, they they get really really big. Uh, I mean, they get so big you can't put your arms around them.
5: So uh, that's right. Yeah, you know, right. but yeah, that's how big mine are.
2: This is a good time to set out any kind of tree or shrub so they get established in the roots before next spring.
5: Well, maybe I'll plant something like a uh, a hardwood pine. Something like that. Yeah.
2: Well listen, pay attention and uh, in a little while after come back for the cheesy music. I'm gonna give give a list of what I think of the ten best fall color trees for, for this part of the country.
5: Thank you for taking my call.
2: You bet, Michael. See ya.
5: Bye.
2: All right. Now Wilkerson County, we're getting way well on out there. Hey Richie, how are you, sir?
6: Hey man, how's it going? Good, good. What's up? Uh well I got a question about wild plums. Mm hmm. Uh there was a tree. I live right here on a, a Homochitto River, pretty close. And there was a tree. Uh, this is in the woods, you know, of course. But uh, it was loaded down with these plums. Right. And uh, I made wine out of them. And I was just wondering if if that was good or not.
2: Well, you tell me. Have you tasted it yet?
6: No, it's not ready yet.
2: <laughs> but, I mean.
6: But, they were pretty,
2: you know, but they just got a big seed in them. Yeah. Oh uh, well, that's what you know. Plums and peaches are pretty close related. They have a you know just that that one big big pit mm-hmm. thing in there. Uh, I right. you know I've never had plum wine. I've had plum brandy homemade, but I've never yeah. had plum wine. So I don't know if it's going to be good or not. It's safe. Uh okay. Just you know, don't don't drive after you try it because it might be, have a real kick to it. <laughs> but, uh, okay. But uh, well, you know, I've, I've used plums for, for, for other things because, you know, it's just, it's got so much, you know, they're there's so, this the flesh is so thick, it's hard to get a lot of juice out of them.
6: Yeah, it's not, it's real pulpy.
2: Yeah, know? yeah. So anyway, I hope when you got done with the pulp, you at least made a pie out of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No. I was
6: just uh, good talking to you, uh, finally, and uh, I enjoy your show, and you and
2: Java do a great, great show. So. J- J- Java had no idea what I was getting into with a bunch of weirdos in the garden world, did you, Java?
6: <laughs> I'm just so hippie, so. <laughs> well,
2: well, listen, let me let me give you a piece of unsolicited advice. You asked if it was a, the the plum, wild plum, why it was going to be good or not. Try yeah. it before you try it on your friends.
6: Okay. That'll <laughs> work. See you, man. Uh, uh, Okay,
2: thanks. You bet. Uh, Let's go to Meridian. Hey, Michelle, how are you this morning?
0: Doing just fine, thank you. Good. What's up? Well, uh, I'm going to be volunteering to help some people clear around a a building, Mm -hmm. and there's a camellia bush that's grown really big, and it's scraping people's cars as you go by. Yeah. Wanted to know when is it okay to prune a camellia? How you should do it, and also, is it okay to still prune? Uh, azaleas, how low can you cut them? Well,
2: here, <clears throat> let me ask them backwards first. Every cut you make on azalea right now, cuts, removes the flowers that have been on that next spring. Okay. So, so it's okay. You know, it's okay to prune. It won't hurt the plant. You know, we're finally getting to the time where you can prune plants hard and they won't sprout out before fall. But um, what I would do is I would just neaten them up uh, and then enjoy their flowers. And then next spring, cut it back. Because if you cut it, when you cut a plant back right now, it's going to be just a naked stump all winter, and everybody's okay. going to be mad at you, Michelle. Oh, I know. <laughs> so, so anyway, it'd be better. It, it'd be better to wait till till either late winter, you know, so it's not as naked for as long, or right after they bloom, and then people think you know what you're doing.
0: Okay, Okay. and Uh, what about the camellia, since it is scraping people's cars now? You know,
2: there's this thing called directional pruning, and I use it a lot. If you've got a plant that could be a a shrub if you keep it pruned, you can shear it all the time. But in the case of camellia, to me, they're prettier when you let them grow up because they top out pretty quick. They don't keep getting bigger and bigger like trees. And what you do is is the, the stuff that's scraping people's cars, follow it back to where it starts and cut it off right there. In other okay. words, just just thin out the stuff that's growing in the wrong direction or cluttered or getting too far, and then lead the rest of it to growing up over the cars. It's a whole lot okay. prettier that way.
0: Yeah, that's what we were hoping. We talked about not doing damage to the plants. But- yeah, we also can't have it damaging people's cars so that's we were right. volunteering to help and thought I'd better check with you first. Well,
2: here's the thing, Michelle if you want if you know if you shear a shrub like a like, you know just keep pruning it bobbing it off in a meatball, it's going to keep putting out new growth. But if you want to get rid of something so it doesn't grow back, follow it to where it starts and cut it off, flush with it starts without leaving any kind of st- stub and then it's gone right. for good and just leave the stuff that's pointing up and out rather than down and towards the cars. Okay, sounds good. All right, Michelle, thanks for your call. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we've got a. By the way, before we take another call, let me throw this out real quick. I've got a, a couple of emails that are really interesting to me. One is from Bertha Page. want to know about eating mature asparagus. You know, the berries, some people consider them poisonous. They might make you throw up. It's not going to kill you. But are the leaves, which are te- te- technically called cladodes, uh, can you eat mature asparagus? And the answer is, I don't know. I've I've gone over and over online, and some people say it can make you sick, but won't kill you, just make you feel bad, throw up and all that. That doesn't mean you can't eat it. But I can't find anything that says it's okay to eat. So it's not poisonous other than making you feel pretty bad. Java, you know, I don't I don't, I don't
4: think it's anything that says you have to take so many shots. Back to back to back to Thank back to back. That's It's not right. going to kill you, that's but right. try, you may feel bad though.
2: <laughs> try, try, try a little bit, and then the last thing, and and this is this is really pretty serious. This is a very good email. Last week I talked about planting this milkweed called tropical milkweed. I've got it my garden. It's it's the most widely available, popular garden variety milkweed. Blooms all spring, summer, and fall. Um, uh, and and the the uh, monarchs love it. Well, I got this email. That's a very good one," it said someone. Asked about growing milkweed the other day, and your answer to grow tropical milkweed, but then they went off the deep end. Then they said, "And ignore research saying it's a weed." No, I didn't say that. Did you mean we should ignore research suggesting it could be disrupting monarch migration and causing increased levels of parasites and butterflies? The North American Butterfly Association recommends planting milkweed that is native to your region. Is there any reason you disagree with that recommendation? No. I agree with that. Plant-native milkweeds, they're great, but try finding one at a garden center. Ain't going to happen. And the research has shown that in south, along the Gulf Coast and along the Texas-Mexican border, the mo- monarchs, they run into this tropical milkweed, and they say, this is nice, and they stay there instead of going further south, which could cause some, some problems. But also, they if they feed in the same place, it, there's a parasite that can build up in the milkweed that can poison young milkweed larvae, the caterpillars. They said it causes 15 or 20% mortality. More butterflies get killed by 18 wheelers than that. And this is the milkweed that is what they feed on all winter and they're wintering, they're overwearing places. It's okay. The big problem is if monarchs stick to it and decide they're not going to fly further south, and a cold comes along, it could kill them. So the official recommendation by every butterfly group, every researcher I can find is it's a it's the preferred milkweed. Plant natives, they're great. But if we have bad weather and that stuff peters out, milk millions of monarchs will starve to death. They've proven this. So the thing is, if you're concerned about the, the the monarch sticking around your garden because of all this tropical milkweed, which is my favorite one, they say simply cut it down in the fall and the butterflies will move on and you've still got a pretty plant. Anyway, the monarchs love it. It's one of the top ten butterfly and hummingbird plants for your garden. I'm sticking by it. Let's do some cheesy music. Let's lighten up a little bit. I got an earworm for those of you who were raised in the 60s. This came out in 1961. It's been on everything from The Simpsons to all sorts of ads, but this will give you a really bad earworm. You're not going to be able to get it out. From Henry Mancini, 1961.
1: From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think
7: Radio.
3: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
4: Welcome
2: back, folks. Baby Elephant Walk, 1961. Uh, I got an email, and this is something that, that happened to me, too. Uh, they said they were digging up their, uh, they were getting their tomatoes and cantaloupes and watermelons, but uh, when they dug their sweet potatoes, they were cracked. What's wrong with that? Here's the deal. If we have plants growing really, really good, you know, tomatoes, peppers, cantaloupes, cabbage sweet potatoes and all of a sudden it gets dry they stop growing their skin gets hard and then get a big rain there's so much pressure that comes into those those fruits and roots that it'll actually and, and cabbage has they'll split open so that's usually caused by plants being a, a little bit too dry before a heavy heavy rain so if you have trouble with that um keep your plants watered, good deep soaking every week or two or keep them growing enough to where that simply won't happen now let's go to uh mobile hey mikey good morning
1: Hey, good morning. Thanks for answering. Sorry, um,
2: sorry I didn't see you at the plant swap last week.
1: Well, um, I'm having difficulties with my truck. Okay. okay. actually even 10 years older than yours, okay? <laughs> well,
2: what can I help you with this morning?
1: Um, uh, okay. Uh, I'm, I have questions regarding mulberry trees. Swampy area, very established tree, was there and it's, it was there, yeah, it's been there for a long time. It survived damages due to reconstruction with a French drain installed over half of its roots, and it's still surviving an occasional swamping when the river rises. Yeah. Um, uh, turtles and wildlife love the berries, and I don't want to lose it. What do I do? Nothing. This <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, no, no additional mulching.
2: No. Nope. Or- nope. You say it survived all this stuff. No, it is surviving so far. Every one of those things causes damage. It accumulates. As the tree gets bigger and bigger, it puts out more and more foliage that puts more and more stress on a root system that's damaged. So, what happens is this stuff builds up, and the, eventually the plant gets so big. One summer it has all these great big leaves on it. Mulberries have big leaves. And all of a sudden it has more than it can sustain, and it just turns brown and dies. That actually happened. To the um, one of the mulberries around the parking lot at Central Pres Church, where we had the the um, plant, swap, plant swap last last year, loaded with mulberries. This year, it's almost dead just from a buildup of stuff. So, you know, other than pruning it hard every few years to keep it nice and compact, like you would a fig tree, not much you can do except so just enjoy it while you can, Mikey. I
1: right. well, water oaks surrounding it. I need. To, I know I need to cut them down anyway.
2: Well, if you um, want to, you know, the mulberry. I mul- cut down the
1: wisteria. Mul- it a wisteria war, believe me.
2: Mulberries need sun to produce mulberries. Mulberry trees need sun to make mulberry fruit. So it's just, you know, it's a it's a habit. It's like, you know, plucking hair out of your ears, your eyebrows, stuff. You've got thin stuff out. So, anyway, appreciate your call, Mikey. We're going to go now to uh, Ocean Springs. Hey, Dean, good morning, sir.
3: Hey, how are you doing today? I'm
2: fine. What's going on?
3: Well, I have a little uh, story about your purple house in Laurel, Mississippi. Okay. I grew up in Laurel, yeah. and as a child, I remember it being a huge scandal. Um, yeah. You know, Laurel is the original Peyton place.
2: Oh yeah. Of Mississippi, oh yeah.
3: Oh, and yeah. Blanche, uh, Tennessee Williams had Blanche DuBois be from Laurel, Mississippi, for a, no, yeah. for a certain reason. The reason
2: way. for that. I got you, I got you. I spent just enough time down there thinking, okay. Anyway, uh, keep, keep it clean, Dean, because people are oh, listening. It's going
5: okay. uh, the,
3: the house that you're talking about was owned by an eccentric woman in Laurel, and she came before the historical committee of the town for painting her house purple. Yeah. And it was a huge scandal because it was against the regulations. But she went to the committee, and she said, my house is not purple. It's lavender. And they said, "No, it's not. It's not." And then she said, "No, that just shows you how much you know. It's carpet bag plum." Oh! Ouch! Ouch! So she she gave she put the final word on that, and you can look for that in your box of crayons and see if it's there.
2: <laughs> carpet bag what? Carpet bag plum. plum. <laughs> you were so
3: on a technicality, but she I don't think she get, got to keep that colour of her house.
2: Wrong uh, Dean, I don't have to tell you being flawed, you are so wrong. Bye I, no, <laughs> Now when I say wrong, I mean you're you, you got a twisted personality and I appreciate it a lot. <laughs> you still there, Dean? Oh no. That was meant to be a compliment. Hope he did. Uh-huh. Okay.
3: <laughs> yes, I'm saying your, your cheesy music was the Baby Elephant Walk. I really enjoy that. Thank
2: you, sir. I appreciate it, man. Come see me sometime, Dean. Let's have some. Let's let's talk about blanching them.
3: Oh yes, lots of stories <laughs> that I can't tell on the
2: air. I want to hear them. See you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Bye bye. When I say you're so wrong, that's sort of a it's a compliment. Let's go to Madison before I get too much in trouble. Hannah, you know you can spell your name both ways.
7: I cannot. I have one of those weird spellings where mine is not a palindrome.
2: Oh, you don't have an H on the end, too? Sorry. I don't.
7: It's the Norwegian spelling. They left it off.
2: Was it Norwegian starts with a J or something?
7: No, it just starts with a regular old H, but it ends with a regular old A.
2: <laughs> what can help you with, Miss Hana? Oh,
7: so I've got um, a row of azalea bushes that I planted on the north side of my house uh-huh. about a year ago. And um, they're, they've all established themselves except for one that um, started getting kind of a moldy leaf uh, yeah. and dropping a lot of its leaves, and the yeah. flowers would put out, but then they just wouldn't open up fully.
2: Yeah.
7: Um, and so I thought, well, it does look like it's kind of in the lowest spot of the row. Uh, so I did a couple of things. I treated it with a spectracide combo, I guess, fertilizer and a Mm fungicide and that was about six weeks ago and that made it drop all of the disease yeah um and then the next thing i did last week i went ahead and and dug it up and kind of put some additional dirt to kind of raise it up a little bit thinking that it was maybe too wet so i guess i was gonna ask you if i did the right thing and if i needed to do anything else
2: Well, a couple of things, Hannah. If you have an established plant and you pile more dirt around it, that actually can aggravate a problem. If it's staying too wet, that actually smothers the shallow roots that are helping it survive. So it'd be better would have been better and if you just planted last year you can still do this sometime in the next few weeks or, or a couple of months, you know, the fall or early winter, dig it up and replant it a little bit on the high side. That okay. you know, and the plant's not too big to do that. Um, no, no, yeah. But a couple of things. First of all, fertilizers should always be treated separate from any kind of fungicide, insecticide. I know they're very alluring and they're convenient and all like that, but fertilizer separate from treating stuff. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why I can go into it, but it's better for you and the plants. Um, okay. But anyway, the mold. Uh, you know, if you if you had one, if you could send me a good clear close up picture of it, it may be an insect. Uh, we have trouble on azaleas with spider mites and an, uh, uh, a creature called lace bug that sucks okay. juice That suck juice out of the bottom of the leaves, and the top looks all scorched and mottled and stippled and silvery, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's pretty bad when we have a hot, dry spell. More yeah. on azaleas in the sun, even though you said yours on the north side. So it could have been an insect. And if you have to spray the underside of the leaves to kill them, But once they do the damage, those leaves aren't going to green back up. See, so you have to – if you recognize a problem one year – we could head it off the next year with a spray on the underside of the leaves in like June or July before they really do their damage. It, it's, okay. it, it sounds complicated. Uh, the mold, the diseases, it could be that that was last year's leaves or early spring leaves that were formed in good conditions. And as the new leaves came on, the older ones got an inefficient, and they started looking all boogered up before they shed. So if the ends of the branches look okay, that's all that is. I wouldn't really worry about it. It's just older okay. leaves. And
7: it starts- to put out new green leaves now. Yeah. yeah. I would they're suspect just not real dense.
2: Yeah, yet. I I would so, suspect it was just a temporary stress on some on the plant when it had older leaves and they're just giving it up and they're doing it slowly and it's looking kind of bad. As long as but, the new growth looks okay, I really wouldn't worry about it.
7: Okay, and I can Digging it up and kind of lifting it up a little bit.
2: Yeah, dig it up, uh, set it one side, or rework bring it the dirt, up a little bit. Yeah. plant it. You know, just uh, you know, not, not a whole lot higher than the ground around it with stuff piled up to it, and that way it can settle down to the right level.
7: Okay,
2: all right. Well, uh, you know, well, and, thank and you and very if, much. if you want to see me a close up picture, uh, I'll be glad to help you on that. Oh,
7: that'd be great. I'll do
2: that. Okay, Hannah. See ya. And just, I would, really wasn't making fun of your name. You know, I would just oh, want to. No. I, I just want to let you know I, I had, knew it.
7: I've had many years of people telling me my name was a palindrome, and <laughs> we have discussions, so I'm used to it. We're
2: okay. Good. <laughs> okay.
7: Why don't you just add
2: an H on it?
7: I don't know. I just, <laughs> I like being different.
2: Well, it's a good start, Hannah. Appreciate your call, lady. Thank you. Right, thank you. Bye. Let's go up to Olive Branch. Hey, Pat, how are you this morning?
0: Hey, Felder, I'm fine. And Good. let me tell you, if you and Dean from Laurel ever do get together, <laughs> you guys should tape it. I bet it'll be hysterical. <laughs> you I, have, know, sample- I have another camellia question for you, please. Okay. I planted, this summer I planted my first tea shrub, and it's in its third flush of blooms, and it's so beautiful. And I'm going to go and buy two more this afternoon. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how to protect it for the winter I've been online, and I'm still, now I need to ask Felder, how, what do I do for it this winter?
2: Okay, and this is Camellia, is it a Sasanqua or a Japonica? Is it a one that blooms in the winter or one that blooms in the fall?
0: Well, it's the one that is a tea, that we make tea leaves.
2: Oh, oh okay, okay, that's, yeah, Camellia's, that that's Camellia yeah. sinensis with the, with the little small, pretty, little white flowers.
0: Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, it's
2: normally winter hardy, Pat, so what I would do is I would go ahead Before you plant it, you know, set them off one side, dig nice wide holes Uh and no deeper than, you know, no more than a a shovel, you know, deep enough to set the plant in it to where it's a little bit higher than the ground around it, you know, an inch or two. And uh, the reason for doing a wide hole, because it needs to get side roots as fast as possible. And when you put it in the ground and just add a little stuff to your native dirt, don't over amend your soil, let it get used to your dirt. But be sure to loosen up the roots in the potting soil when you set it in the ground and then cover the good thick layer of mulch, water it really good, and it should do fine over the winter.
0: Okay, thank you. You bet.
2: It's a great But Hey, have you ever made tea from it? I tried, but I don't want to
0: pick those little leaves yet. But I did dry some and try it, and apparently I have to learn how to do that.
2: Well, what they do there's there's a, a, a actually a, a tea uh, farm in South Mississippi down near Poplarville, and what they do uh-huh. is they shear it in the the in the springtime, and then they make tea out of the new leaves.
0: They you mean they shear it and then when the new leaves come out They again? make it out
2: of that. That's right. Those old leaves uh, enough oh. to you know, the only way you can drink that tea is if the one eye closed like it's got tequila in it or something. <laughs> anyway, gotcha. it it should be perfectly fine. It, you know, it's uh, it's not as cold hardy as some of the other uh, ca- camellias and you're up in the north, but we haven't really had that the kind of winter that would normally kill. I would say ten degrees I would throw a blanket over it.
0: Okay. Okay, well, thank you very much. Okay, Pat, thanks for calling.
2: Okay, bye-bye. Okay, we uh, take a real quick break, folks. We've got... uh Lines open, one mpb ring one mpb ring Now this is kind of a long shot. Anybody in Jackson know a guy named James McGowan? Uh, I'm giving Commander McGowan, he's with the Jackson Police Department, a big shout out. He's got a great sense of humor, sort of keeps my little neighborhood nice. And I found out last night at a downtown Fondren Festival that his folks, James McGowan's folks, used to listen to this program. He said he even called in as a kid asking about about tomatoes so a big shout out to james mcgowan you might see him tell him we said hey we're gonna take a quick break i'm horticulturist Feld Rushing. this is the gestalt gardener it's a production of a local production of mississippi public broadcasting we'll be right back
4: An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10, weeknights, on MPB Music Radio.
2: Welcome back, folks, Horticulture's fellow Rush. And I guess I probably ought to apologize for being a little bit rude and friendly and all like that. But I feel like this is a party, a job, and we're just standing around shooting a breeze with each other. We're just having good, you know, and I make fun of folks, but I don't mean anything bad by it.
4: No, I don't think anybody took any any offense to it, and, and, if, and if they did, then they need to learn uh, to have a sense of humor.
2: That's right. Welcome to our party. Uh, real quick rundown of what uh, – this is the list I came up this morning of what I think the top ten trees for fall color in this part of the country. Number ten, sassafras. Which is really pretty orange. It's number 10 because it's kind of hard to find. Number nine, we got a lot of hickories out there, butternut hickories, and and they're nice and sort of pumpkin orange. Uh, Eight would be ginkgo, beautiful yellow uh, leaves. The reason they're kind of low on the list, they don't stick around very long, real quick. Uh, Seven would be magnolia, just because I like the green in the wintertime, and green is a color two. Uh, Number six would be crepe myrtles. Some of the crepe myrtles have got the most astounding reds and yellows and oranges you'll find anywhere. Number five would be black gum, which is one of the reddest native plants, uh, trees out there. They're just brilliant red black gums. Uh, Four would be dogwood. Again, the prettiest, deep, rich red fall colors, dogwood. Uh, Number three would be Maples and they should really be number one, but everybody knows about maples, so they don't get in the number one spot. Pretty trees. Number two would be the sumac, the red sumac seed along the roadside, and my number one favorite fall-colored tree is not a tree. It's those flame, red and yellow flames licking up the trees all along the woods and throughout the neighborhood. We call it poison ivy. I'm allergic to it, but boy, oh boy, isn't fall poison ivy pretty right now. If you want to uh, copy this list, shoot me an email, Garden. At mpbonline.org. Meanwhile, I slide down to Poplarville. Hey, is it Dor- Doris Dorrit? Dorrit. Dorrit, what can I help you with?
1: Um, I am grow. Well, I, I built a keyhole garden. Okay. my second one, uh-huh. and I filled it with topsoil and Miracle Grow soil, and I planted, uh, you know, cabbage all the winter. Right. Camp. Right, and it's not getting any taller than two inches, and I've been watching it for a month now. Yeah, and I don't know why.
2: Well, well, first of all, you know, it might be your potting soil is too rich, you know, and I don't know what kind of fertilizer you use, but your plants might need a good, not a not a strong, but a a solid shot of liquid fertilizer, like a shot in the arm. That'll perk them up real quick.
1: Okay, let's. let's, Take out of my pond, just take a bucket water and out of my pond, or should
2: I get? No, you need. You need, you need for, for plants need nutrients: nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and uh, okay. so I would I would use something like Miracle Grow half strength, and but that'll give them a quick shot in the arm dart, and that'll pick them right up.
1: Okay, great, thank you, appreciate it. Thank
2: Let's you. slide up to to Amory. Hey, Janice, what's up with your compost?
7: I have a question about cedar shavings and manure. Would that be an effective or harmful
1: compost in my garden?
2: Oh, that'd be fine. Uh, Wood shavings tend to take a year or two to break down. Uh, So, you know, I would use them sort of like you would any kind of uh, bark, you know, just to fluff up your soil. Expect to find some little mushrooms that pop up from time to time as they break down. But it's perfectly fine if you'll add them this fall so they'll be broken down before next spring. I wouldn't put them fresh in right before you plant.
1: That's great. Thank you so okay, much. Okay,
2: Janice, thank you. Okay, and we got time, I think, to squeeze in a quick butterfly shot from Ashland. Hey, Mike, what's up?
6: Uh, yeah, we were doing a tagging thing up in northwest Tennessee uh-huh. a couple of months ago. They were feeding on something called uh, smartweed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, all over them. We did 250. Is that an invasive plant? If well, were to add yes,
2: it? yes, but it's well, it's like so many other invasive weed type stuff. You know, You typically see it in disturbed areas. It's a it's a, a what they call a pioneer species. Not much you can do about it, but it's a great plant. Any plant that the butterflies like, I like.
6: So it would be okay to add. <laughs> I mean to, to
2: introduce. Uh, I would I would I would stick with the 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 prettier stuff in the gardens and let them enjoy the smart weed out in the w- weeds, c- woods cuz otherwise it's going to take over your garden. Anyway, we we got sorry man appreciate your call and all the calls today. Uh, Gestalt Gardener is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Uh, my producer laid back for hard work and Java Chapman and our phone greet today was the esteemed Kevin Farrell. Um, I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing, this guy Falk's weekend. Hope your garden fares well. Uh, main thing is too precious to let slide. For those of us who see every new day as another chance to give it a go, go to a garden center, farmer's market, take a kid with you, show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. We'll